You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Top of the hour here on the Daily Tip. Hour two starts right now. Thanks for joining us. We've got a jam-packed hour of content coming your way, starting uh, in this. We'll look at the daily slate in the NBA and the best games to bet on, including a big matchup between the T-Wolves and the Bucks, one trend you might want to know about when the Bucks are underdogs. Hmm, I'll have to give you the numbers. You'll have to wait on that. Then at 720, what's coming up this weekend in college hoops? The big ranked matchups that need to be on your viewing schedule. Then at 740, the biggest headlines in baseball. Baseball is uh, quickly approaching. What you need to know to be caught up on everything going on in Major League Baseball. Kate, I was scrolling Twitter as I was watching the Suns and the Mavs game last night. And of course, the most viral thing coming out of that game had nothing to do with actual but what happened before the game. There was a Mavericks fan, two Mavericks fans to be specific, that were yelling cuss words at Kevin Durant as he was walking into the floor. They may bleep, um, and he paused, <laughs> turned around, and had some words with them. Now, we have investigated this video because somebody took a video of it. We can't justify what they're saying or, you know, catch a drift of the conversation. But to me, it looks like these fans are trying to quickly backpedal on this trash shock. Kevin Durant's not having it. Although, security tried to kick him out and KD said no. He wants him on the court. A um, lot of things to digest here. But number one, tops on the list for me is, if you're going to talk trash to somebody, how about not doing it to the pettiest man in <laughs> all sports? Kevin Durant is going to let you have it. We know how he is on Twitter. This is not the man you want to talk trash to. Maybe do it to like Kawhi Leonard. Somebody that's just like, huh. Like Kawhi Leonard's probably not going to have a response. He's a robot. He's just going to keep walking. Uh, but Kate, do you think that you would ever talk trash to an NBA player? Like, think of you at your drunkest or your most inebriated. <laughs> would you ever do this? Uh, I certainly would, yes. Uh, especially if I had had a few cocktails in me. Uh, but here's the thing. I would talk trash, but in, like, a fun way. I would not be yelling cuss words. That's just, like, not my, not typically in my vocabulary, one. And two, that's just rude and mean. It's not okay creative. No, you can heckle players like that's part of the game is fans getting involved. But let's not be rude and and mean about it. I mean, if Kevin Durant's not hitting every any shot or if he airballs like 
yeah, as a fan, you want to be all over them and, and make fun of them and stuff. That's part of the game. Players enjoy that part. Like, they're okay with that. If anything, it adds a little bit more motivation to players. It's the it's the nastiness that from fans when you hear a word like what was said to Kevin Durant, something like that. Like, that's, I think, where it crosses the line for players. And they're like, what, are we just, like, animals here that, like, just get yelled at and and can't really respond because if Kevin Durant turns around and responds and yells the same words back at that fan well it's Kevin Durant's fault and he's a terrible person and the league's up in arms and he's probably getting fined um but it was watching that video I watched it in the last break and I did hear one thing um from one of the fans and he said I work in sports I have a podcast (laughs) oh no buddy that does not justify and one, that's embarrassing for you to tell him that. Two, uh, that doesn't justify yelling at him in a vulgar sense at all. If anything, like, wouldn't you want to be, like, friendly with Kevin Durant? Maybe get him on your podcast. That's not going to help your case whatsoever. Right, and no other player is going to want to come on your podcast. If no. you're treating players like that, like, do you think anybody in the NBA is going to be like, oh, yeah, that guy seems like a stand-up guy? But I did think the backpedaling was pretty funny because the lady was like trying to dap him up. I'm like, come on. Like if you're going to trash talk somebody, at least stay in that lane. Do you get what I'm saying? Like if you're going to talk the talk, walk the walk. That's what you want to say. Like, what are you going to do about it, Katie? No, they're like, oh, we're sorry. Dap him up. No, that was, that was cringe. It was hard to watch. Uh, But like, that's one of the guys that you don't talk trash to. I was thinking. Like, what are the the guys in the NBA but that you would be the most afraid to talk trash to? Like, obviously, Draymond Green's on the list because he's going to kick you in the <laughs> crotch, Green's even though we're girls. Though. Like, nice try, Draymond. We ain't got anything down there. Uh, who else is on the list? I'm trying to think. Russell Westbrook would be on the list because he's petty with – and I know he's had a ton of, like – interactions with fans that have actually been pretty negative and I do feel bad for him in that sense but yeah. if you he's gotten to the point where like he doesn't put up with any of it anymore so like the smallest thing he's gonna look to the the refs and be like get him out of the game so I wouldn't want to talk trash to Russell Westbrook um I would I would talk trash to like Joel Embiid because he's a goofy guy he's funny he would probably enjoy it he might say he's something huge, back to though me. yeah but like, like that's the other thing that goes into it like these people on TV, they look big, but you've been to an NBA game oh, they're in massive. person. They're giants. Massive. Be massive. shaking in my boots. Yeah, that's. I mean, size wise, that's a good point. Um, I'm thinking like you know, there's a glass, uh, a glass uh, sheet between the two of us. They can't get to me. Who would I want to talk trash to? Um, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, Draymond for sure. I'm trying to think. I of, feel like um, I would not do it to uh, Nikola Jokic because he's got the brothers, and he would say something oh, yeah. like smart Alec back to you. Because that's yeah. the thing about Nikola Jokic. I don't know if you've seen like his. He has some new commercials with Hotels.com that are just yes, they're, so good. they're so dry. Like they're not outright funny. Like you won't laugh out loud, but his sense of humor is just so dry. Like I feel like he would say something like smart Alec back to you that would just be like one line and really funny so like I would like to talk trash to him for that reason I think it would be hilarious yeah but you're right with the brothers like he would say something witty or or dry back to you 
but then all of a sudden the brothers would come around the corner and you'd be in big trouble. I mean, those guys, who was it that they, that Jokic got into it with? Um, Jimmy Butler. Was it Jimmy Butler? Playoff. It was somebody Jimmy from Miami. Butler. Wasn't it? Um, yes, it was Jimmy Butler because I think it was one of the Morris brothers who played for Miami at the time got into it with Jokic. That's when Jokic pushed him. Butler got involved. I think there was also a time in the playoffs a couple of see two or three seasons ago, Cameron Payne got into it with Jokic. And Jokic doesn't really respond like a whole lot on the court, but the brothers get involved and the brothers get involved on social media and uh, they're in the crowd yelling. So yeah, the brothers would be a little, a little terrifying to me. Yeah, because they're Serbian. Like it just feels <laughs> like it's a different like they have less to lose or something, a or it's just a different, different bringing up and a different mindset where they mm -hmm. would pulverize you and not have any regrets or feel no sympathy towards you. Uh, but we'll see if we see any trash talking tonight uh, as we examine what's going on in the association on a Friday night. Uh, you're listening to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Chelsea Messenger here. Kate Constable filling in for Jenks. Let's start in Philly. The Sixers and the Cavs squaring off. We've got Cleveland length three and a half on the road. Total of 228 and a half. And both of these teams, I believe, coming off a back to back. So do those things cancel each other out? Or is there anything we can draw from that that you go in that you put into this handicap? Yeah, both teams coming off of a loss. I mean, the Cavs are favored by six or seven, kind of depending on when you got that number yesterday over Orlando and lost that game outright. I think Cleveland's the right side here. Philadelphia mm -hmm. without Joel Embiid has just really struggled and struggled to generate offense, struggled to defend. They've lost three of their last four. They got um beat by the Knicks pretty badly last night, despite being favorites. And you could get Donovan Mitchell back tonight for the Cavs, which would be huge. So if you like Cleveland and you think there's a chance that Mitchell comes back, which I do uh, because he was out with an illness yesterday, I think he's able to bounce back tonight. Uh, I would take this number now because once Mitchell is announced in, again, I, I mean, that I don't know that for sure, but I would imagine this number is probably going to go up a little bit more. Cleveland's defense has just been so tough this season that with the the offensive struggles that Philly has had without Embiid, that's not going to get any easier against this Cleveland defense, especially a Cleveland team that's coming off of a loss last night. So I um, have not bet this yet, but in this next break, I'm likely going to go over to bet MGM and lay the three and a half with the Cavs. Yeah, I like the Cavs here a lot. It's crazy to me that Cleveland's actually been better on the road than they yeah. have been at home. They're 17 and 8 away and 19 and 10 at home. So this is actually a spot where they've actually been better at winning games. And we've got a relatively short spread here. Like you said, Donovan Mitchell, if he comes back, is a huge boost to this Cleveland mm -hmm. team. Meanwhile, Philly just... I thought maybe adding Buddy Heald would be, you know, a little bit of a help to them. Maybe it will be in the long run, but still last night, not winning, not covering uh, against the Knicks. I think Cleveland is probably the right side there. Let's go to Houston. The Suns coming off a back-to-back -back and squaring off with the Rockets. Phoenix laying three and a half, total of 229 and a half. Last night after the game, Kevin Durant seemed a little pissed off at himself he took full accountability he said listen i'm the guy that's making a ton of money i've got to make those shots so do you think this goes into this game at all the fact that the suns are coming off a loss i do but the rockets have been oddly good at home like they cannot perform on the road but at home they're decent so um mm -hmm. 
I wouldn't take the Rockets outright to win, but I'm going back and forth on whether or not I like them to cover. I, I, the Suns need to continue winning games because in the standings, like they're not terribly, I mean, what are they right now? They are, oh, they just dropped to seventh in the mm-hmm. West. So they're in the play-in right now. I mean, that lost the Mavs, the Mavs jumped them there. The Suns need to keep winning games. And this is a game that the Suns should be able to win despite being on a back-to-back, just talent level. Um, it would be great if they could get Bradley Beal back tonight. I kind of doubt that's going to happen. If anything, I mean, hearing Kevin Durant's comments after the game, like maybe you look at Kevin Durant's props, like points props or, you know, PRA, something like that, and just kind of narrow things down in that aspect versus taking a a side here. Because, um, yeah, with this Phoenix team – the health issues that they have, I, I have a hard time backing them on when they're on a back-to-back because their roster gets so thin and they don't have a ton of depth. But then again, are the Rockets really that much of a danger to Kevin Durant, Devin Booker? So I don't, I'm not going to play anything in this game tonight. Again, maybe look at Durant's points over um, after his performance last night. Yeah, this one, it's a little tough for me because I would want to lean towards Phoenix. But after seeing those fourth quarter stats that we were talking about in the top of the show, it makes me kind of nervous. I didn't know that Phoenix ranks dead last in the NBA in points scored in the fourth quarter. I don't know if it's like the lack of depth or something about the offense that shuts down in the fourth quarter. But that would certainly make me nervous if this game was close going into the fourth quarter. And Houston is a formidable opponent. Like, I know they're not one of the top teams in the NBA, but like you said, at home this year, 19-9 and straight up, a team that's been pretty solid when playing in Houston. And last time around, these two teams squared off uh, back in December. Uh, We had Phoenix winning it on the road, 129-113. to But you should note that Phoenix shot 57% from the field and out-rebounded Houston in this game. So maybe the field goal percentage not necessarily repeatable, but I think I would still lean towards the Suns. Not my favorite play, though. Uh, We've got a a couple minutes left. Looking at the rest of the schedule, which of these games are your favorites? Or is there a game that you like the most? Well, Chelsea, I came on here on Wednesday for my weekly hit with you guys and told you to start betting the, the Hornets. Yes, thrown it up on the screen right here. Hornets beat the Jazz outright last night. They were 10-point underdogs, 13.5 points uh, tonight. 13.5-point underdogs against the Warriors. I'm, I really, really, really want to take the Hornets here. I don't know if that's the smart thing to do. But Charlotte, they actually have, like, real NBA players on their roster now. And so their offense is getting better. Their defense has actually been pretty good. I think the Hornets can keep this within 13 and a half. I mean, I don't think the market has quite caught up to how well they're playing post trade deadline. They actually have some good pieces. Now they're not going to go into golden state and win this game, especially on a back to back. Now golden state is also on a back to back after beating the Lakers, but I'm leaning, I'm leaning hardcore to Charlotte here. We'll see if I can get there and fully back them by the end of the show. And uh, maybe that'll be one of my best bets, but I kind of like the Hornets. Ooh, risky business when you're trusting some of the worst teams in the league, but I totally get it. It's 13 and a half points. I do think Golden State needs to win games at this point. And maybe you take the Hornets win last night with a grain of salt, like beating the Jazz, who trade away like most of their best pieces, 
it's not like the signature win that you would hope for, but it's the Hornets. And they're also getting 13 and a half points and facing a team off a back-to-back. The game that I'm most interested, I think, is the Bucks and the T-Wolves. The Bucks as underdogs have been god-awful this year. One in five straight up when they're getting points. I think this is normally the case. When you see one of the big-time teams in the NBA getting points, it should tell you something that they are not favorites in this game for a reason. So I think I'll be laying the four and a half or whatever that number is with the T-Wolves in Minnesota. The T-Wolves, damn good team. All right, coming back from the break. Uh, we're talking college hoops, the big time matchups you need to know about this weekend to sharpen your skills for March Madness. Next, I'm Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. The Daily Tip will be right back on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Welcome back to the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. All right, let's get it rolling. Time to rise and shine, people, because there is money to be made tonight and this weekend when betting on basketball. In the next few minutes, we'll run down the best games of the weekend in college hoops as we prepare ourselves for March Madness. Kate, I believe your team is Iowa, correct? You went to Iowa? Is that your favorite college basketball team? Yes, that is my team. Unfortunately, they're not very good this year. Uh, so not, not a whole lot to look forward to. I don't even think they're making the tournament. Which oh, is, I feel you. I'm you. an NC State grad, so NC State yeah. usually disappoints. I feel like we're always on the bubble watch, and then we'll lose to some terrible team. And then they're like, well, NC State can't justify getting in the tournament when they lose to the worst team in the ACC. So I feel your pain, although at least it feels like Iowa has had some good years over the last few years. Uh, just simply from a betting perspective, isn't it a good offense? You know, like the last few years, they've had teams that can really run up the score. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, Iowa's offense is, Iowa's basketball offense is night and day from its football offense. Like football, they can't find the end zone to save their lives. Basketball, they're putting points up like no one's business. This year, it's been a little down in compared to previous seasons. But yeah, Iowa won the Big Ten um, tournament a couple of years ago. They've made the NCAA tournament. They just never seem to be able to get out of the first round or have much success. Um, So, I mean, Iowa hasn't been terrible. This is probably one of the worst years they've had in quite some time. But again, they're not typically one of the uh, upper echelon teams that you think of in the Big Ten. Other than their women's college basketball team, I mean, yes, they lost in the national championship last year, but they made it to the national championship and they have the most electric player in all of college basketball in Caitlin Clark. So that's been fun to watch. I mean, honestly, I think she has overshadowed the men's team so much this season that I really have not watched a whole lot of Iowa men's basketball this year. One, because they're not very good. And two, because it's more fun to watch Caitlin Clark. Yeah, I saw the line to get in the arena at Indiana last night. Oh, my goodness. Like, there are so many people that want to watch her play. But I will say they got upset last night. Indiana won that one 86-69. to I think it was an off night for Caitlin Clark. Well, I I think it was maybe in the fourth quarter. Maybe that's what I saw. Because she still finished with 24 points and 10 rebounds. So, I don't know if it was an off night. Uh, But still, 
Uh, kind of a shocking loss, although Indiana was the 14th ranked team in the nation, not a nobody, but at least you have that. Like, I'll say NC State women's basketball is pretty good too, but we ain't got Caitlin Clark. Uh, I don't think I know any of the players on our team. So I'll have to look into that. Maybe that'll be, you know, the shining moment for me in March Madness. But I think the other thing that sucks as an NC State fan is when you watch the teams that you hate the most make these deep runs in March Madness Mm -hmm. because UNC and Duke are the teams that are rivals and I hate them both. And of course they're always good. Who's Iowa's rival? Uh, Nebraska kind of, I mean, honestly in basketball, like Nebraska and football is, is a big rivalry. Um, in basketball, I'm not really sure to be honest, like, other teams in the Big Ten, Iowa State obviously is a huge one, but that's like mm. your typical in-state rivalry in the Big Ten. I mean, I would maybe say like Minnesota, the the neighboring states, but there isn't one. There isn't one team such as UNC having uh, or NC State having Duke and UNC um, for Iowa. Like we never really had that one massive rivalry game. It was just kind of, you know, conference play throughout. There wasn't. A single team that I can think of maybe I'm just a really bad fan we'll have to ask around but like I couldn't think yeah. of one Iowa State seems to make sense uh but for us a lot of people don't realize that NC State is like a rival to UNC and Duke they think of UNC and Duke and of course that far and away is the better rivalry because both those teams are really good but when it comes to the research triangle in Raleigh Duke or Raleigh uh, Durham and Chapel Hill, like all of those schools are very close together. So like those are our rivals because we're very geographically close. And of course we play in the ACC together. Uh, so the trials and tribulations of an NC State fan. Uh, let's look at some of the top 25 matchups we see over the weekend, Duke being one of those. But let's start off with number two, Houston, heading to number 11, Baylor. And because we don't have the gambling lines just yet, we're going by Kempom. Usually the betting lines are pretty similar to these. So Kempom has Houston winning this on the road by 3.70 to 67. And Kate, please correct me if I'm wrong or just way off base here. I'm not going to lie. It's really difficult for me to look at some of these road favorites and feel comfortable. Doesn't it feel like the nature of most of these upsets this year have been home teams getting points? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's so hard to win on the road in college basketball. You, the, in you know, just looking at games for this show, some of the teams we've talked about, their only losses have come on the road. Everyone is really, mm-hmm. really good at home. Um, in this game, it's Houston's defense that is just so good. And Baylor relies so much on their offense. I mean, Baylor's defense isn't terrible either, but they're more of a, uh, the Bears are more of like an up-tempo score quickly type of team. And if they can't do that against this Houston offense, I think it's going to be a little tough for them to win this game. Maybe they cover, um, but to win outright, I'm not, I'm not sold on that. LJ Cryer also is the point guard for Houston right now. He transferred over from Baylor last year. So he's going up against Mm -hmm. his old team. Maybe that adds some, you know, added motivation or a little bit more of an effect there. I'm kind of leaning towards laying the points with Houston, but I'm with you. I mean, if there's any spot that Baylor can beat them in, it's going to be at home. And Waco's a tough place for teams to play. So I'm kind of torn on this one, Chelsea. 
Yeah, uh, it's going to be strength on strength as you talk about that Baylor offense. Fourth uh, overall in the nation when it comes to adjusted offensive efficiency, meaning that defense that is number one overall in defensive efficiency. But if you look at Baylor, we were just talking about this. All three of their losses this season have come on the road. So I'm interested to see if this is built into the number because we'll see this. Sometimes the Kimpom lines are a little different. And I have noticed that the betting lines, I think, take into account the home court advantage maybe a little bit more. So interested to see where this line lands. Next up, let's head to the SEC, number 13, Alabama, squaring off with number 17, Kentucky. Kim Palm has uh, Alabama winning this one closely by two points and a 90-88 to 88 final score. Some of these scores for Alabama, like we were laughing about the total of I think it was Alabama and Florida. That one was like 173 and it hit it, but simply because it went to overtime. Do you think we see this many points score between Kentucky and Alabama? I kind of do. My play on this one is going to be on the over. I think depending on what the number comes out on you're right. It's going to be somewhere around what Ken Palm has it at. But if you look at Alabama over the last five games, four of their last five games, they've scored 98 points. That was that overtime oh. game against Florida, a hundred, 109 and 99. Like they're all offense, no defense. They love to play fast. They can score with the best of them and Kentucky. They showed that they could defend against, um, old miss and against Auburn but they reverted kind of back to their old ways in their last game against LSU. And I know that was a little bit of a look ahead spot coming off of that win against Auburn, which was a huge win on the road. And then looking ahead to Alabama this weekend. So it was kind of expected that Kentucky or LSU. Yeah, I'm sorry. Kentucky against LSU (laughs) would, um, would kind of let down a little bit, but I'm not sure all of a sudden they are going to revert back to this, like, tough defensive team that they showed in what, like two games this season. So I think we're seeing a a big time over in this spot. Yeah. I'll be interested to see where the number lands because this is two top 10 offenses squaring off. And I'm not sure if Kentucky can limit Alabama. Uh, We'll see how it lands, but I will say Alabama's offense is, a touch better at home. I think they're averaging like 94, 95 points per game at home. It dips just a little when they go on the road. But for Kentucky, they've lost some games at home. It's not a matter of, okay, this team's much better at home. Uh, They have, what, four losses this year when playing at home. You would see Wilmington, Florida in overtime, Tennessee, and Gonzaga. So, you know, the home court advantage, not necessarily as much of a factor for the cats uh next up let's go to the acc we've got number 10 north carolina on the road at unranked virginia unc is supposed to win by four points according to kim palm in a low scoring affair 67 to 63 uh we know this about virginia this has been the case for them like for years now they play at one of the slowest tempos in all of division one basketball and they have that defense that makes it extremely tough for offenses to thrive another road game another team that's probably gonna be laying points on the road do you trust carolina in this spot i think i trust carolina a little bit more than i trust virginia even though virginia's at home i mean 
they just got smoked by Virginia Tech. And yes, that game was on the mm-hmm. road, but they should have beat Virginia Tech. That, or at least not lost by double digits. That was a really, really bad loss. So you'd like to believe that Virginia can go back home. They can get up for a game against North Carolina and bounce back. I'm just not sure I trust this team because their offense is so inept at times. They can go through massive scoring droughts where they don't score for five, six minutes, and they really don't have a ton of players that you can like go to and say, okay, go get me a bucket. I think Reese Beekman is probably the only the only player where you could say, we need a basket, put it in his hands, and, and go get it. Where on North Carolina side, you have a couple other players, uh, RJ Davis, Armando Baycott, Terrison Ingram, some of those guys. So offensive-wise, I mean, UNC is far and away better than Virginia. And with the way Virginia's played lately, like I just don't trust them, and they're not someone I want to have my money on. Yeah, North Carolina seems to be a team with extremely high-end potential, but they just haven't been really consistent. If you look at their last few games, it has been alternating, a win and a loss. A loss to Georgia Tech, a win over Duke. A loss to, I will say, a good Clemson team, a win over Miami. A loss to Syracuse, which they probably didn't have any business losing to, and then a win over Virginia Tech. So we'll see how UNC pans out. Right now it's a team that's a little too volatile for my liking. I would lean towards UNC, but wouldn't be shocked if, You know, we see another one of those games where it's just a little inconsistent from the heels. Next up, let's go to the number one team in the country, UConn, on the road to Villanova. Uh, Kim Palm has this one, UConn winning it by 10. And this is where I start to get nervous. But UConn is coming off an upset where, who was it, Creighton that beat them? So normally I feel like this is a spot where you bounce back, like coming off one of those big upsets. Again, this is a road game. And uh, this is a tough conference, but I think I would lean towards UConn here. Do you like teams kind of coming off an upset? Yeah, I do, especially as bad of a beat as that was uh, against Creighton. I mean, UConn didn't stand a chance in that game from the beginning. It was all Creighton and um, just a really poor performance. So uh, Danny Hurley is a good coach. He knows how to motivate his players. They're back at home. I think we see a big bounce back from uh, UConn and Villanova. I mean, as good as they have been this season, they've won a bunch of games, but they haven't, their competition lately has not been as, you know, anything like too difficult. I mean, they beat Butler um, the other night, which was a good win. They uh, recently beat Georgetown. Georgetown's one in 13 in the conference. Like that's nothing to be impressed about. Seton Hall, that was a really good win, Um, but they also have quite a few losses early on in in the season in Big East play. One of those to UConn, but that was a one-point loss. I think the the Huskies take away quite a bit from that and learn from a lot of the mistakes they made in that game. And we see um, like near a blowout um, by UConn on Saturday over Villanova. I don't think this one's going to be close. Yeah, I misspoke. This game's at home for UConn. And uh, this has been where, excuse me, This is where they have been really solid. All three of their losses this season have been on the road. So I do think it primes for a good spot for UConn to get back in the win column. And plus, this is what makes them, I feel like, a more consistent team because they are number one in offensive rebound percentage in Big East play. Mm -hmm. That's when you get those easy second looks and a more repeatable style of offense. So even when the shots aren't falling, you still have a good formula for scoring bucket. So I would take UConn there. We'll see where the line lands, though, because usually when you're playing the number one team in the country in the betting market, you're not getting any kind of value. So we'll see where the line lands. 
And then finally, let's go to the SEC again, Texas A&M on the road at number five, Tennessee. Tennessee is supposed to win this one by 11 points, 77 to 66, according to Ken Palm. Is there anything that would take you off Tennessee here? Like Tennessee coming off kind of an up and down performance in their last game against a Missouri team that probably shouldn't have been contending with them. But Dalton Connect in that first half was on a milk carton. One would think that he has a bounce back game here. Anything you think better should know? I think Tennessee's the right side here. I mean, AM has lost um, their last three games to Arkansas, Vanderbilt. They're below them in the standings. I mean, tough atmosphere in Tennessee to play in. And AM's offense is miserable, one of the worst in college basketball. So this is all the balls for me on Saturday. Yeah, Texas AM. If you're losing to Vandy, you're doing something wrong. Uh, coming yeah. back from the break, uh, the headlines in Major League Baseball you need to know about next on the Daily Tip. The Daily Tip will be right back on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Welcome back to the Daily Tip on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Time to get it going here on the Daily Tip on a Friday edition. I'm Chelsea Messenger, Kate Constable, sitting in for Jinx today, who is on a beach somewhere. At least I am hoping that he made his flight. I have not checked his Instagram stories. Probably need to do that because I was making fun of him a lot, Kate, for his sun shirts. Doesn't this sound um, like the like least sexy thing that you could possibly wear? And I'm not saying that like he needs to wear like sexy things. Like that's not what I'm getting at. It's just like. He was like, yeah, I'm ready for my trip. I just ordered a three pack of sun shirts. It's like, Jenks, come on. Come on, man, a sun shirt? Like just wear a normal shirt, right? Cause I imagined him as like one of those kids in the pool. Like remember when you're growing up and you go to like the public pool and there's always some kid in the pool that has like a full on white t-shirt on. You're like, yes. what are we hiding here? Like just take your shirt off. Like if you're in the pool, please don't wear clothes. Jenks is t-shirt boy. Um, that's amazing. I'm going to have to tease him about that. Jenks to me seems kind of like a person that might burn a little in the sun. He's got, you know, a little bit more yes. fair skin. So I understand the sun shirt for like UV protection, but come on, Jenks, come on. Like lather up in sunscreen or something we can't be the guy i'm sure he's got like the visor on too he's got the the weird flip-flops or something like i can just picture this whole get up of jenks at the pool and he probably thinks he is like just like crushing it in his sun shirts that's unbelievable well i think it's the term the sun shirt that it's something yeah. like specifically for the sun because if you're just like yeah i'm gonna bring a t-shirt in case i get burnt like that's one thing, but I think the visualization, visualization that goes along with it, like the sun shirt, I'm imagining those hats that have like the multiple flaps that go over your ears, yeah. the glasses that go all the way around for people who have like glaucoma or something. So I don't know. It's like just the wording of it that makes me just laugh a little bit. I can't wait to see his pictures. Oh. Hopefully he's wearing a sun shirt in one of these. I mean, babies wear sun shirts and apparently Jenks wears sun shirts. So like, there's no like middle ground all that much. It's just kind of like, 
you know, the babies that are fully protected from like, for good reason, their skin has never mm -hmm. seen the sun before they should be protected. Uh, but I <laughs> just picturing Jenks and his, his three pack of sun shirts. He's probably color coordinating them with his swim trunks too, like blue sun shirt, light blue shorts, something you, you, you gotta believe that Jenks <sighs> thinks that that stuff through. Maybe I'm like overhyping this. Maybe they're like not that bad. Maybe they're simply no, like they're plain t-shirts that they're bad. You think that we'll they're have bad. to take on it. Like how bad we think Jenks's sun shirts are. Uh, and I do feel a little bad talking bad about, about him, but he, I would say this to his it's face all, and I've already said it. To his I would face, so. It's all in good. But it's while, all in good fun. We love Jenks. Right. While we are on the topic of clothing, Major League Baseball players have quite the beef with the new uniforms that they are supposed to be wearing. Like first, it was the ill-fitting jerseys that have like the weird letters that look like comically small. But now we have a real problem here because the pants appear to be see-through. And let me catch you before you think, because I've seen some women commenting on this and saying, ooh, see-through baseball pants? That sounds kind of nice. I, maybe I'll be a baseball fan this year, but wait just one damn minute. Do you know who else wears these uniforms? The managers. Think of the oldest, wrinkliest manager you know, oh, and Chelsea. think about how they also will be wearing these see-through pants. Baseball is funny mm -hmm. in that I think it's the only sport where the managers actually wear the uniforms. Like, think about if they did this in other sports. Think about, like, I know these guys are retired, but it's just the funniest example I could think of. Like, think of Jim Beheim wandering the sidelines in a Syracuse uniform. Think of Coach <laughs> K decked out in, like, a Duke uniform. Or think of Bill Belichick full on in a Patriots uniform. It's so funny to think about that. Like, I think about that all the time. You know how people have their, like, Roman Empire? That's mine. That's a, that's a great Roman empire. And it would be even better if coaches in football, like were in full pads pads. What if, yeah, Andy Reed roaming the sidelines in how would Andy Reed get that Jersey on is what I want to know. A lot of those coaches actually like those football jerseys are so tight. Imagine Andy Reed pulling that thing over his head and his big belly. Um, that might be my new Roman empire Chelsea, Cause that's actually hilarious to think about, but these, I mean, I've seen some, some pictures of these baseball uniforms. They are a little revealing. They are. Uh, so when you bring in the thought of managers also wearing them, not something I really want to see at all. Like, is no. this something that you think is going to get fixed before the start of the season? Or are they just going to deal with this? Cause this is the new, I mean, at Nike, but through fanatics that their new pants this year, um apparently it's the same fabric as previous seasons but like a different color or a different shade and so that's what's making it a little bit more transparent but like in some of the photos i've seen it's pretty transparent where everything is situated down in that area yeah i think the the solution that i can think of is the long nike pros like i don't know how much you know about like what guys wear under like their baseball uniforms. Yeah. My husband played baseball. So I know yeah. he owns some of these Nike pros that are, I think he cuts them to make them capris, but they're like long tights, essentially, essentially what girls wear the tights mm -hmm. and they wear them under their uniforms. Like that's going to suck when it gets really hot and you have to wear those under just so people don't see your underwear line. But one would think that they have to fix it. 
Like if the uniforms are see-through, like this is a family product. Don't people want to go to the ballpark with their families? And some of these players wear really tight pants. Like the number one and number yeah. two offenders, Robbie Ray and Justin Verlander. Don't know if you've seen their pants, but they live leave very little to the imagination already. So if you can imagine this plus being see-through, oh no, Ugh. oh no. We're going to have to have like the, the PG-13 rating for some of these games. I don't know. Like, how like do you think they fixed it? Out for, yeah, they're going to be, you know, on like shows when someone's naked and they just blur out that part. Like they're going to have to get the blur bubble going during games for some of these guys. Yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. But the uniforms, definitely one of the top topics going yeah. into this season, which feels like it shouldn't be a thing like baseball makes money hand over fist one would think they can at least give them some decent uniforms uh it's kind of like in the the super bowl for the nfl when they had like the problems with the turf or like the hall of fame game that they had to like postpone or something like yeah we couldn't get the field right like do you know how the the amount of resources that you have you couldn't yes. figure it out with all that money so hopefully baseball figures it out because they got to do something uh, it might be a little awkward. Uh, other he headlines in baseball, the Mets, well, they're going to do one thing and they're going to met. They have met it all over themselves already. <laughs> it's not necessarily their fault, but their number one starter now to start the season on the injury list. It's Kodai Singa. We know he has that, uh, I think it's like a ghost ball or like a fork ball, something, a pitch that's really hard to hit. And he had a great season last year, despite the Mets disaster of a season. So this is bad news for the Mets. Uh, the Mets are a far cry in the odds leaderboard than where they stood last year. Last year, they were one of the favorites to win it all. Now they are 10 to one to win the NL East and 35 to one to win the world series. I feel for Mets fans. What a roller coaster of emotions. First you get, Steve Cohen, you know, as your owner, and you're like, wow, we get an owner that wants to open up the checkbook and get every, you know, free agent that you could possibly get. And then things just go wrong. Do you believe in teams being cursed? Because if there was a team that was cursed, does feel like it would be the Mets. Yeah, there are certainly. I mean, some of the, the droughts that teams have gone on in terms of winning World Series and things like that, like there are some cursed teams out there. The Mets after last season all the injuries that they dealt with like one of the highest payrolls in baseball they they get mm -hmm. all these big names and just kind of stink but a lot of that was because of injuries and now i mean there's no timetable for Sanga to return right now he's gonna start the season it sounds like on the ir and who knows how much longer he's gonna be on there the fact that there is no timetable tells me that this is gonna be an injury that keeps him sidelined for a long time and definitely like the first couple months of the season you would imagine but uh, the Mets certainly are yeah cursed and a far drop from being one of the leaders on the odds board to start mm -hmm. the season last year to where they are now like that's insane that they've dropped this much with the talent they have on that roster but again it's injuries a lot of it yeah, uh, if you're wondering what the injury is, it's a shoulder strain, so it's kind of vague, and you're right, they haven't given a timetable. Uh, so, you know, he could be ready by the start of the season, but we just don't know, and maybe this is something 
that pops up throughout the season. Uh, he was 12 and seven last year with a 298 ERA and 202 strikeouts. Like I said, that ghost fork uh, was really hard to hit last season. If you're wondering what the rotation looks like uh, outside of Senga, they've got Luis Severino, Sean Manaya, Adrian Hauser, and Tyler McGill. So they've got a couple good names in there, but certainly not a rotation that looks to be one of the best in the big leagues. Other uh, headlines across baseball, Mitch Keller signs the second largest deal in Pirates history. He uh, He's back on a five-year contract worth $77 million. I personally have a beef with Mitch Keller because he had a great start to the season last year. And I was like, oh, Mitch Keller, Cy Young, long shot bet, put my money on it. And then that one set in my account for the entire season. And I just looked like an idiot. Do you ever make a futures bet? And then the worst part is having to see it every time you check your bet still pending. That is the worst feeling. Yeah, I have a futures bet on Damian Lillard to win MVP. I bet that right when he was traded to the Bucks, And that's not looking very good for me at all. And every time I look at that, I just kind of think you're an, you're an idiot. Like what? Cause I'm not a huge futures better. So I thought I was being like really smart and, you know, grabbing Lillard quickly uh, once he was traded. And every time I see that, I'm like, you're, you're dumb. That was so stupid. You have no idea what you're <sighs> That's the thing about long shot futures bets. Like you always see people victory lapping when they win them, you know, the one occasion that they do, but right. nobody talks about how stupid you look when it goes the other direction because they're long shots for a reason. Uh, So I've learned that lesson the hard way. Uh, Coming up next, top of the hour, we talk to Joel Berry, the second and ACC Network basketball analyst on the teams you should be paying attention to in the ACC going into March. Stick with us here on The Daily Tip. The Daily Tip will be right back on the BetQL Network presented by BetMGM. For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.